0: Hi, you found the bomb podcast for streaming video, web-exclusive interviews and more check out bombsite.com. Honor Moore's father, the Bishop Paul Moore, captivated the nation by bringing political activism into the priesthood, even when he struggled with a deeply guarded secret. Victoria Riddell's fictional father, Itzhak, escaped from Nazi-occupied Belgium with his own haunting secret to keep most especially from his daughter, Sarah. The two authors spoke about their books, The Bishop's Daughter, a memoir, and The Border of Truth, a novel, before a live audience in Lower Manhattan at Housing Works Bookstore. The conversation took place on June 30th, 2008. So one of the things that both Honor and I found as we started reading each other's books was that... uh, uh, in novel form and in memoir form, we had begun tackling, in wildly different stories, subject matter that, um, that overlapped, that, uh, that came together in startlingly similar ways and then in, in surprisingly, uh, different manners and
1: how, in both cases, our fathers or the fathers in the, in the books, their lives were really determined by World War II, the kind of catastrophe of World War II. In my father's case, he went from being an extremely privileged, rather sheltered um, young man who had had a dramatic religious conversion at 17 at a prep school, St. Paul's School in New Hampshire. And he sort of thought he might become an Episcopal priest, but his idea of doing something wild was to become headmaster of St. Paul's School, which, you know, compared to becoming the banker, his father and brother were was wild, I guess. But the, the war really altered that. The war really sort of freed him from those kinds of constraints. And um, he um, decided to go into the priesthood. And part of what he said at the time was he talked about meeting all different kinds of people in, in the war. In, in Itzhak's situation,
0: Right. The, it's, it's the story of, of an immigrant. It's the, it's, a, it's the refugee story. And in that way, it's, they strike me as so interesting that both boys are trying to escape the limits of their own childhood. You know, yeah. Itzhak says early on uh, in the novel, he confesses to Eleanor Roosevelt that he couldn't help it, that when Brussels was bombed, He was excited. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help even feeling on the side of the Germans, just get me out of Brussels and get me to Paris, get me to America. And um...
1: the difference with my father, of course, was that he was in combat. And so it was not only a a kind of um, disruption in his cultural life and the expectations, but also a disruption of his body. I mean, he really was almost killed and had to crawl back from that, which, interestingly, sort of affected his spiritual
0: growth. Because in a certain sense, what you're saying is that your father came back from the war, and the response was uh, greater growth and uh, a kind of widening of a worldview. And I think for the character of Itzhak, um, the catastrophe of war and the experience of being a survivor not of, of of the camps, but as a refugee uh, creates that kind of uh, guilt and, um, oh. and, and the shame of what the, what the choices he 's had to make through the catastrophe of war have been, and he becomes a kind of um, a much more narrow kind of creature, you know, just trying to move in an assimilated manner through through New York and to raise a daughter who's going to um, Who's going to be protected from the possibility of um, of danger, yeah. which was the opposite in a way than the position that the character of their father well, takes in the book.
1: What my father did was not only um, to leave um, sort of society uh, as it was called that he was part of, but he and my mother went and lived among the poor in in Jersey City um, in what was then called the slums of Jersey City and which um, now is gentrified, but um, the you know they they lived what they they began to live their ideas and what happened to me was that I was inspired by their story, and I began to uh, see that this was not just my coming to terms with what was actually a quite turbulent and uh, com- complicated relationship with a complicated father who had a secret uh, life as a bisexual man. But also, it was a big story of, of someone's life over 80 years of the century and living through um, those changes. The obvious, the obvious thing between us is that you've made
0: this amazing work of imagination in which um, it's within the realm of memoir, and um, and I jumped over to fiction.
1: I'm curious about that choice. Did you think of writing a memoir?
0: I never, ever imagined writing a memoir. I think um, for me, one of one of the concerns was to think of. Um, I mean, in fact, my my father and his mother and his father came on the ship together. And they were among the 86 that were held off from coming first into New York and then into Mexico. But in the novel, It's Comes Alone. And It's Comes Alone. And it let me explore some of the questions that that I don't think I could have explored um, if they were together. What Um, kinds of questions? Well, for example, uh, one question was the question of what was it to be a young, modern, European boy and want and want that kind of freedom, want to get out where, where the parents, um, in the case of my grandparents, uh, there was a way in which you, they felt that even though they got here, they were still completely pining for uh, their prior life um, and that kind of provincial sort of experience. And I guess there's a way I could have thought about that in the, in memoir form, but for me to enact it um, in the novel, to have to have uh, Itzhak alone and to have him making the choices that, um, that the war demanded on all of them, it gave me a kind of freedom to explore questions that I think were present. You know, what was it, what is it to be a refugee? I mean, the other question was, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely interested in writing. You know, I think anyone who has a story that comes up out of the Holocaust at this point has, has to ask, do we need yet another story that comes out of that? And when I began, and I first conceived it as a book that was just letters, you know, that it was in my imagination, the book was "Dear Eleanor Roosevelt," and it was young Itzhak writing to her, and um, and it's it kept feeling small. And part of I think what felt small was that I hadn't, at that point yet, imagined the way that that book, that that boy as a refugee, could could parallel, could speak to, could thread into and weave back between current refugee concerns. You know, and, and they appear all through the book, whether it's, you know, the Lebanese hairdresser or, or Carmen, the housekeeper, who's Salvadoran, and, and the question of what are the choices people make in war.
1: It was sort of a shock to me when I realized that I had to be a character in this book. It was one thing to sort of write about the other, in this case, my father. And quite another when I realized that the reader had to be introduced to um, this his daughter who, who was writing this book, and um, it was kind of embarrassing and creepy. I mean, at first, and um, then I was very lucky. I my family wrote letters. My I had about 2,000 pages of my parents' letters during the war, including when she was pregnant with me. That was a trip, and um, I also had my letters from my mother and my um, my letters from my father, and they kept my letters to them. It's amazing. And so I actually had the voice of this 19-year-old, for instance, in you know her first trip alone, her first trip alone to Europe, saying, writing to my father and saying, you know, dear Pop, I I read uh, I've just finished Lady Chatterley's Lover. Uh, I liked it so much better than Women in Love. It, it's so much, uh, I, I can't remember the adjective, but then I said, so candid. <laughs> and I just, that sort of gave me the idea that this I of these letters was not me, me you know, uh, 40 years later. I thought uh, several times that, that it's a really, um
0: a generous act, in a way, I think, to somehow be able to write about one 's self as a child and not feel um, not kind of enter into the self judgment um, but to but to let her be a character you know and I, I, one of the things that I loved in the book um, is that that you give her some free reign to be um, you know, girlish and ridiculous and hyperbolic and true and earnest and and that you, you know, Honor Moore, who has a vision about those things, you know, I thought you managed in this whole, you know, talking about memoir and imagination, how to stand, it's what makes it the art of this book, I think, is that you know, you you learn when to stand back and let her be and you learn when to come forward as, as the adult eye. Honor Moore uh, has, um, a very clear awareness of participating in a family that's participating in history. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's living in Jersey City, whether um, when the family moves to Washington, or, or, or activism, whether it's civil rights activism or feminism. And Sarah is a girl in the dark, a woman in the dark, until she makes a kind of... Um, and has determined to stay in the dark as a way of protecting her relationship with her father. Um, so it's really that the decision to adopt a child that begins to let her
1: understand a place in history. And that's, that's, you know, she's observant. But really until she makes this decision to adopt, and then really is forced into looking at, by the, by the adoption agency's questionnaire, to, to looking at what her family is, um, she really would rather not know either. I mean, yeah. she's her father's daughter uh, in that way.
0: I'm interested all the time when, pe- in, when people write in sort of the ways in which um, the content or subject matter or writing style um, you know, on the level of the sentence, but also on the level of the subject, uh, works with the form Chosen, you know what? How how is it being told? How is it being narrated? What mm-hmm. you know? What are what are the ways? And you know, obviously, there's the three sections that you wrote the book, um, and but inside of that, there's all of this threading that um, and layering that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, I want I wonder if you would talk a little bit about the making of the book.
1: Well, um, one of the great things about Writing poems about being a poet is that you're, you're not ever really writing in a linear way. And I'm very interested in sort of collage in, in a way. I mean, so when I'm working with letters, um, I do quote some letters and I, and I sort of have letters interrupting each other, or the, the narrative voice interrupting the letters or uh, you know, that, that kind of thing.
0: I mean, collage is exactly the same way that I wrote this book, too. Yeah. You know, it, It's the only way that I've figured out how to write something long in, in fiction. Um, and letters,
1: you know, obviously, with, with Itzhak's letters, that holds part, you know. There, there are these letters that Itzhak writes, and then Sarah d- hasn't read the letters. Um, and one of the remarkable plotting devices or strategies about the book is we don't know until the very end, whether or not Sarah is going to read these letters. And I wondered if you always knew she wasn't or was going to. Yeah, I, well, there was a
0: period of time where Sarah didn't exist in the book. So, um, uh, you know, as I said, I, I imagined it first as this collection of letters. And sl- s- two things happened. Um, it's kind of coming at the question a little bit sideways. but. The first thing was that uh, I I would go to the New York Society Library to write to get away from my house, um, and it was it it formed the the point between where two of my where my kids were in school, so it was kind of a safe zone to go hide out. And um, as I would walk off through the park, um, suddenly this other creature I could feel her sort of walking oh. with me, and um, and that she was doing something. You know, and I whenever writers have talked about that, I've always said such a lot of malarkey, you know, like some character joins you. And then um, one day I uh, went, uh, and this is sort of uh, switched around, but quite close to it in the kind of switched around way scene in the book. It was a Saturday and I'd taken these um, crappy ladderback chairs that were falling apart and duct taped and were our dining room chairs to this wonderful store that uh, no longer exists on Amsterdam. that. Mended chairs, And uh, I brought it up, and this guy was there, and I asked him about maybe fixing these, you know, the seats on, uh, on the chairs and the chairs. And uh, this woman said, asked me if I was my father's daughter, and um, I said, yeah. I thought probably she was a businesswoman or something. And she said, well, um, do, do you know me? I'm, I'm Francine Goldenhaar. Or have you heard of my father? His name is Maurice Goldenhaar. And, um, so I, I uh, unlike the scene in the book, uh, the Victoria Riddell character in life sat down in the chair and I said, D- do I know Maurice? Right now he's standing on a hillside with my father smoking a cigarette just on the other side of the border of, you know, into <laughs> Paris. And she looked at me and, um, and we, we went off and started talking. And when I left there, it became clear um, that it was an error not to have a, 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 a woman who was reckoning now uh-huh. with what it would be. And, and so Sarah began to emerge, in, exactly as you said, in these chunks. And the first chunks were um, just chunks of her uh, either working on these translations. She's working on the translations of Walter Benjamin or her with her father. And it was finding the first draft of the book had maybe 30 pages of Sarah, and now, you know, it 's kind of her book, yeah. um, so the evolution w- was really you know an evolution of, a, of finding a character well it 's
1: so interesting I mean the role of coincidence in writing any book is uh, so mysterious I, there's a phone call that happens in, in well, there are several phone calls, but there's one phone call in particular on the, my father 's birthday the first birthday of his after he dies, the telephone. And I'm unpacking what I've inherited. And the phone rings. And it's this man who uh, was in my father's will, whom none of us knew, except that they'd gone to Greece together the last summer of my father's life. And what unfolds in this scene is that this man was my father's lover for almost 30 years. and. I remember I had a migraine headache, and I was saying to myself, "I, I should write this down." <laughs> and I, you know, grabbed a pen and uh, and continued the conversation. And and it's this, it's sort of this. And it, it I don't know what the book would have been would have been if uh, he hadn't yeah. turned up. When I was creating Itzhak as a boy, as a as a kid who wanted to
0: flee and get out of Brussels and have a bigger life. Um, I decided um, that he would love the movies. You know, it's, it's 1940, and um, uh, you know the movies were full of all those sexy starlets, which seemed like a thing that a, a boy might like, and, um, uh, and it was also a way for me to learn something while I was writing, which has been one of the things I sort of give myself a challenge each time I've written something long so I don't bore myself. Um, but then soon afterwards i was meeting with my dad and um he said to me so you know marcel dalio was on the ship i didn't know who marcel dalio was so i said well no it was marcel dalio and he said he looked at me you know as if i was really so ignorant and he said oh marcel dalio he was one of the great great french actors he was in all of renoir's films he was in the rules of the game he was you know in the grand illusion his wife madeleine lebeau and he were both in um casablanca And I I just, I just, uh, you know, I could not believe it. I'd struck gold. And I thought, like, I said, what do you mean he was on the ship? Did he get off in New York? No, he was among the 86. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my god. My character is stuck on board with, you know, a fantastic actor and a 40-year-old actor and his 19-year-old drop-dead gorgeous wife, (laughs) you know. You know, I was talking about the layering of voices in your work, but there's also there's letters, Mm -hmm. there's story. I mean, both of our books Mm -hmm. have tons of wanting to tell stories. There's you know, I don't know. There's all of the historical material. I mean, there's so many kinds of registers that you wanted. Scenes.
1: Scenes. Uh, I just was very interested, though, this time, since I had written a biography before, which has its own kinds of requirements, in really allowing uh, the 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 kind of spiraling of the experience of life to happen, and i um, you know one thing that that of course invited that in the case of my story is that I was writing I was writing in order to integrate into my memory of my father uh, a life that he kept hidden, and uh, even after it was revealed. Uh, in our family, 13 years before he died, he wouldn't talk to me about it. Very much like your the Betsach father won't won't talk to Sarah. And um, you know, I there there's a kind of double uh, question that arises. You know, is this illumination uh, a betrayal of of someone else's? life. And I think our books answer that question in different ways. I mean, I uh, needed to tell the truth of this story. It seemed the, the, the most healing thing I could do for myself and really for my father was to um, recreate him as, as whole, you know, as this much more complex figure than. I had any had any idea he he was, and it, and perhaps it's the difference between um, you know the experience that your father character has, which is of great loss.
0: There,
1: there's the a, character of Itzhak, who then
0: renames himself as an American as Richard, um, you know, the secrecy he carries and the shame that he carries is central to the book, and so for Sarah. Um, For me, let's say as a writer, the 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 question I went one of the questions I went into the text with was thinking, what are secrets inside of a family, and what do you need? How do they affect you if you don't know about them at all? How do they affect you if you know about them? And um, in order to move forward in your life, do you need to know? Do you need to know? And um, as so, for me, I I I was trying to create a, a situation in which the reader begins to know things that Sarah doesn't. And, um, and, and and we watch her both get things right and back away from things, but also get it wrong. The question in the very end of the book when she's, she's got all the letters, you know, he, in fact, as she's been seeking and seeking, and he's been realizing he's getting caught and caught, he kind of poses it finally by having this man present her with this sheath of letters and say, I'd like them returned to me. And, and she has to face whether she's going to, you know, and, bust in and, and, and read them.
1: And he says he doesn't and don't,
0: want for her to read them. Right. And he doesn't want her to. And she's going to have to face that choice. And for me, the choice was um, she knows a fair amount at that point. And, she, and, and, and he's let her know. I mean, she's had access, finally, to knowing quite a bit. But for me, it was the thought that um, that part of loving someone part of maybe even moving past a place where you're stuck, might not be having to know everything, but that the gift of love is the, the gift of acknowledging all of our separateness, our, um, our secrets, you know, that, are, that we can know some and that we won't. And that wasn't something I came into the book thinking. That wasn't how I thought I was going to solve the question.
1: Interesting. Um, I mean, I think one of the most interesting things about writing uh, uh, a, a nonfiction book is just the process of writing um, offers illumination. When you put one thing next to another thing and you say, oh my goodness, you know, look at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a story in the book, uh, there's a character in my book of my father's um, teacher uh, at St. Paul's School who was a gay man who was uh, kicked out of uh, the army. And uh, defrocked uh, as a priest for his homosexuality. And my father really cared about this man, and he he's threaded through throughout the book. And it was not until after I learned of my father's hidden life that I understood a lot of what that connection was about. For instance,
0: in the sections of the book where Itzhak is writing in the in the letters, um, and the in there in contrast to what I was sort of saying before, he feels although he's you know he's kind of a smart aleck and he wants to uh, beseech Eleanor Roosevelt to help him help him help him and he was busy you know kind of saying and I like this movie and this happened to me and I like that woman and um, he also is holding back from finally what he knows he has to do which is confess something you know yeah. he has this this thing he has to say in order. Um, he thinks in some way to be saved. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of act of confession with, in, in this case, somebody who he begins to see as a kind of iconic American mother or foreman. And him. he's confessing the betrayal of his mother. And he's, exactly, he's betraying right, yeah. his, his betrayal. The
1: Sarah character imagines being at, at the port to greet the Kwanzaa. And so it's a kind of imagined reunion with her father, and uh, I go to Potmos where my father went with Andrew uh, the last summer of his life, and I imagine being on Potmos with my father. And it's just this striking thing that these two books, which are really in some way about daughters, you know. Um, Uh, coming to understand their fathers and leaving their fathers behind then have reunions with their father kind of imagined reunions with their fathers in which they control the story (laughs) Victoria this is for you Um, Itzhak escapes over the border, he leaves his mother behind in order to do so, he gets onto the Kwanzaa. He's very lucky in many ways, even though he has a very rough time on the ship. Um, your character, his daughter Sarah, is a translator from the German to English of Walter Benjamin. Who did not make it over the border, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you chose Walter Benjamin and, in particular, the essay about the Angel of History.
0: When I was in college and began to read Walter Benjamin's work, um, I learned, you know, that he had uh, that he'd killed himself on the on that side of the border, and it was. It was the same border. Uh, two months after my father had crossed that border, my father crossed at Perpignan, and uh, Benjamin crossed just, you know, like a couple miles away. He trekked through those same mountains that, that uh, my father and, more importantly, in this sense, the character Itzhak is looking at and imagining. You know, if I don't get through, maybe I'll just, you know, take off, leave my parents, leave my mother, and, and walk through. And at the time. Um, well, for for this book, it seemed to me um, in the question of luck, you know, here's this young boy who's using all of his cunning, all of his luck, um, and his yearnings are uh, the yearnings of any 17-year-old boy. I want to get on with my life. I want to go forward. Whereas it seemed to me that, I mean, Walter Benjamin was sick. He was ill. Um, he was crushed by the act of trying to make it through those um, mountains. He'd already had to leave uh, some of his work behind in safekeeping. And it seemed um, amazing that one, you know, maybe one of our greatest minds of the 20th century was crossing so close to where you know, this young boy was crossing. And the, um, the absolute wildness of that border was, was that, for example, for Benjamin, he, he got all the way through, and on that day, uh, the Spanish decided they wouldn't honor the fact that he'd snuck through because he didn't have an exit visa from France. And so that was apparently why he killed himself, because he thought he was going to be returned over to France, in comparison with Itzhak, who's gets to that border and it's shutting and reopening Vichy. And he kind of keeps maneuvering. He just, he's got youth on his side. And that was part of my interest in it, you know, seeing that and seeing um, the sorrow of, of that.
1: My question is, seeing as he kept his secret all his life, how do you think he might have responded to your outing him? I think outing is not an appropriate uh, word to use when the person has died. Uh, I mean, we talk about the sexuality of people like Walt Whitman, Virginia Woolf. It's, it's, it's a central part of human experience and important to understanding human existence. Um, there, there were conversations that I had with my father that um, led me very much to believe that he wished that he could uh, make this public. Uh, His concerns with not making it public were personal concerns, having to do with his wish not to um, further disrupt my stepmother's life and their marriage that they were mending, and also um, uh, other family members. So it was a a family members of his generation. So he was very aware that it would have had uh, a quite extraordinary impact if he had made this uh, public. And and more than once he said, you know, I wish I could, but I just can't. You both have stories of mothers. So I'm wondering if there's anything you'd like to talk about, about the the role of the mothers in, in your book.
0: Mothers are layered all through the book, right? Itzhak is um, his his central uh, shame has to do with his mother. He's writing to Eleanor Roosevelt, but in the and Sarah is um, attempting to become a mother as well. She's lost a mom uh, when she was quite young, when she was 11, and um, the notion is that that loss has put her in a kind of quasi. Wife relationship to her father, in which she feels you know he's the parent left to take care of her, and um, she's going to be true to him, uh, and and if he wishes to remain silent, then that's going to be kind of the bond of their uh, relationship. It's also impaired in the book her capacity to have really great relationships um, in, as an adult with men, and so part of her uh, the action, her action, her her. Her move in the book is uh, that through navigating this path with her father she's going to be freed um, to to not be sort of the wife and to acknowledge she acknowledges the mother in other ways the mother's kind of a fantastic um, character who's, who who ha- keeps giving her gifts even after she dies um, she's had this mom who's made all these little pouches for birthdays all of her life and so there's a way that she's been able to imagine the mother. Um, and, and the more she becomes free of this having to harbor a secret she didn't even know, she begins to acknowledge the mother more. So,
1: I in- interviewed a few people. And, and one thing stuck, stuck with me. A, a, a man I interviewed who had been close to one of the men priests who worked with my father in Jersey City, their, their, their first uh, ministry said, well, you know, uh, your mother and Kim Myers, this priest, were the intellectuals, sort of, uh, centers of, of that work. Your father was the man of action, but they were doing the thinking and the, they were the ideas behind it. And, uh, and I hadn't actually realized that my mother was an actual official uh, part of the minis- min- team ministry. And so, and then there was the letter in which there was the very striking thing that happened, which was that my parents, like all young people in love at, in long, long distance, uh, kept, you know, breaking up and coming back together, and so on. And their final coming back together uh, happened after my mother started uh, became confirmed in the Episcopal Church. And she writes my father this, and suddenly their whole conversation becomes serious adult conversation. It stops you know it, suddenly they are they're having a conversation and that was fascinating to me so um, her, it, it, it was important for me uh, to sort of um, Allow my mother to have her power in this in mm. this narrative and to um, i the other the other element is that after her death my my father eventually quite quickly remarried and um, you know sort of I felt abandoned and betrayed my mother uh, my mother's memory and so it was always my job to sort of she was she became my cause and writing this book I could let go of her as my cause and see her again you know as a as a person and as a uh, and in this in in this life that they had so that was quite wonderful
0: i want to say one thing more about that because one of the things that i love about the book just to jump in is that that that's part of the fullness of the imagination of the book, that you, that you, lo- that you, that you, nobody is condemned. Everybody, you know, everybody gets to be full and complicated, you know, as, as hopefully as we are, whether we like it or not, yeah. you know, and um, love that. Thank you.
1: Well, you guys were the best. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. And such a wonderful audience. And thank you, Housing Works.
0: You just heard a conversation between the writers Honor Moore and Victoria Riddell. For
1: streaming video, web-exclusive interviews, and more, check out bombsite.com.